0: Welcome back to episode 54 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. In this episode, we're back to the player rankings with the defenders. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FPL draft game. My name's Mitch, and I'm your host. And in this episode, it's part three of our player rankings update, and we're focusing on the defenders. Now, defenders are a fickle commodity in FPL, and especially in draft FPL as your attachment to individuals can change with the season depending on form and fixtures. For these rankings, as with all of my ranking lists so far that I've updated, um, I'm looking at the end of season totals. So That doesn't necessarily mean um, that these guys are the ones to bring in next week. These are more applicable for longer term planning when it comes to trades. That means that while I might have uh, Cresswell up in 15th, if I had the choice between him Uh, and, uh, you know, a Southampton defender that was playing Norwich at the weekend, uh, I might be more tempted by them for a one-week punt uh, at a clean sheet, although I'm now recording this on Monday after uh, game week 12, so uh, I'd probably uh, not really go with either of them. There is a debate to be had about how precious you should be with your defenders, with some arguing you may only need to keep one or two uh, of your draft day defenders for the whole year. With three spots, you can then manoeuvre a bit more. That obviously depends on how high you went on defenders on draft day, but I lean more towards keeping two or three down the stretch. I managed to come away from draft day in my main 10-person league with Thiago Silva, Azpilicueta and Joel Matip, uh, gambling on him being a regular ahead of Konate, and so far have been rewarded by that pick. So it's now difficult to see myself dropping those three unless there's a big uh, injury as I'll never see them again once they're in the waiver pile and they're such reliable sources of clean sheets when they play. Even with the rotation in Chelsea's defence for example I know if one of them does get benched, bench they're unlikely to come on for a cameo and so I'm prepared them with one or two options on the bench. On a side note it's never been more difficult to carry injured players on your bench as you'll often need two or even all three of them to come on and fill gaps due to rotation injuries or Covid issues Draft teams that end up with a couple of uh, injured big hitters can be a good target if you've got a more reliable team and can afford to house one of them while they rehab in your third substitute spot. Anyway, on to the defenders. Some of the big fallers uh, include Stones, Pereira and Canate, as I was hedging slightly between him and Matip pre-season, with some of those whose stock has increased include Laporte, Chalaba and Christensen. So let's get into it so my number one pick and he was my number one pick pre-season is ben chilwell another goal involvement at the weekend incredible that he only got into the team in game week seven um, and is averaging around nine points per game having scored in his first three consecutive starts with three clean sheets in there as well the value here is in the position the wing back spots Uh, Chelsea are likely to be going up there with the highest scoring points in the game. If you add in what Marcus Alonso got from the opening six game weeks, then that left wing back spot is the highest scoring position in the game and would blow the other defenders out of the water, only being second to Mo Salah. Now Alonso is currently out with with a knock and generally out of favour, but if you were considering handcuffing them, that's having both of them on your roster to cover for any rotation There aren't any better opportunities, I think, out there at the moment. Pre-season, I had Chilwell down to be the high scoring defender this year. I think that could be tough just based on uh, how consistent some of the others are getting minutes, the likes of Cancelo and uh, Alexander-Arnold. But based on how well that left wing back spot has done at Chelsea so far, I don't think the logic was too misguided. In second, I've got Jao Cancello, uh, another assist again for him at the weekend. So he's now got five assists and seven clean sheets. Here we have a Manchester City player that looks to be nailed on every week. Uh, And this isn't just an Edison or a Rodri. This is a proper useful attacking fullback that is often involved with attacks. He's currently leading the way in uh, FPL points from the defenders, but his points per game is way below that of the Chelsea guys, who are catching up with him uh, in far, far less minutes. Having a nice steady stream of points may be more of an attraction to you over the more volatile surges of points you'll get from a Chilwell or James. And it was a bit of a toss-up between Cancello and Chilwell for the number one spot here. But really, if you have either of them, you're laughing. In third, I've got Reese James, uh, who is currently second overall in points with 75. Although similar to Chilwell, um, you know, really haven't seen James play every game this season. So his points per game is very impressive. I think as the season goes on, uh, we will see James rotate a little bit, um, which is why I've got him down in third position over the top two spots. As an attacking threat, his FPL output is up there with the best attackers in the game. And when you consider he's essentially only played six games worth of minutes now, his average is just phenomenal. It does seem he's more susceptible to being brought on as a late sub when he doesn't start, which can be annoying for FPL And uh, none of his returns have come off the bench. But when he starts, his uh, game week scores have been 18, 13, 21, 7 and 12, which is just phenomenal. Now, I put Trent Alexander-Arnold fourth uh, when I did these rankings before this weekend's game. um, And he's gone and smashed out another 15 point game week now to put him joint top uh, of the defenders uh, with Cancelo on 79 points. We all know what a beast TAA is, one of the highest defender totals of all time when he put up 210 points the season before last uh, with four goals, 15 assists and 14 clean sheets. And since being a regular in the Liverpool team has been right up there for the last few years. I see no reason why that will change much this year. He's continued to show his attacking prowess. My only thing that keeps him out of the top three as it stands is I just still don't think that Liverpool are going to keep quite as many clean sheets as we're used to seeing, even with the return of Van Dyke. But we're talking about minor edges here, and I think you could argue for these top four defenders to be in any order, but I'm pretty sure it will be those four that are top come the end of the season. In fifth is uh, Rudiger. Now, not the attacking threat that his wing-back colleagues obviously are but what Rudiger has going for him is he's the most nailed on to start every game when he's fit in that Chelsea back line. He's only missed one match after picking up a minor injury on the international duty. So his reliability and clean sheet prospects put him up here in the top five. And uh, that's about where I think he'll be at the end of the season. In at number six and a fairly similar asset to Rudiger is uh, Diaz for Manchester City. And of course, as I've got him in here now, he uh, gets rest at the weekend. Um, so, you know, like all the main regular Manchester City defenders, we've seen relatively little rotation this season. And next, Cancelo Diaz is as likely to start every game as anyone. I think he's still got a lot more to offer from set pieces, and is definitely due a goal. In terms of the uh, rest of the season potential, Manchester City have played their hardest games already, and I don't think they'll be too far behind Chelsea in the clean sheet table. <laughs> Support for the FBL Draft Hub podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and they've just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Law Mower 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide with this exclusive offer for FBL Draft Hub podcast listeners that allows you to get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRAFTHUB. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I'm really impressed by the performance and just the whole experience of using this product. It allows you to customize your trim with additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. The 4.0 features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. If you've been using the same shaver to sort out your beard and your balls, you've been doing it all wrong. Nobody wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. As I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRAFTUB at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code DRAFTHUB. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Back to the list then, and at number seven, is Virgil van Dijk. Now, it's nice to see that uh, van Dijk's been able to play every minute so far, but it is fair to say he's not quite looked back to his imperious best from before his knee injury. That's partly why I don't think Liverpool will keep as many clean sheets. They'll still keep more than most, don't get me wrong, but individually I think they'll provide more opportunities for opponents to score than we've seen over the last couple of years. In at number eight is Thiago Silva. Like a fine vintage Rolls-Royce, Silva keeps bossing defences. His minutes have been a bit patchy as he suffered from uh, the travel with the international breaks, but all being equal, he's definitely a first-choice starter and not far behind Rudiger. In at number nine is Andy Robertson and definitely one to keep an eye on. His season hasn't quite got going yet and uh, he's now picked up an injury which has allowed Simicast to come in and get a game. Uh, having watched that game against Arsenal at the weekend, I thought Simicast was actually really impressive and was unlucky not to not to get a couple of goal involvements himself. Now we, we're really used to seeing Robertson's points up there with TAA over the last few years. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be uh, another big blockbuster year for the Scotsman. And there are some rumblings that Ispott could be in danger of going to Simicast longer term. So watch this space. Ten is Amrik Laporte. Uh, The only reason he drops a bit is because he is liable to some rotation uh, with John Stones, although we saw the pair of them play together at the weekend. Um, But I think Pep is largely going to keep things consistent at the back this year. And I think Laporte is probably in favour more over John Stones at the moment. At number 11 is Kyle Walker. Of all the Manchester City defenders, Walker is probably the most reliant on clean sheet points. He's usually one of the ones staying back so they can use his pace to thwart any counter-attacks, but he does have the benefit of being fairly secure in his starting spot. This is now his 13th season in the Premier League and his best attacking figures in a year are just six goal involvements. Generally assists, And I don't really see him topping that this year. At number 12 is Laqueta. Now we're very much in the good player but can't rely on them to play every game category now. Uh, Aspi hasn't really featured at all in the last three or four league games, instead being used for the midweek cup competitions. But I think he will continue to get a- enough Premier League minutes either as a right centre-back or right wing-back. And his versatility makes him useful as you know, an injury in either one of those areas more or less then guarantees his spot in the team. Just next to him, and you could argue maybe should be higher than this, is Christensen. His minutes are possibly more assured than Aspilicueta at the moment, but there's not really much attacking threat from him. Um, but his clean sheet value is worthy enough to uh, get him in this lofty position. At number 14 is uh, Joel Matip. And he's already played more minutes this season than he has in each of the last two. If we look back to the last time he was a regular in the team, his figures weren't hugely impressive. But back then, Liverpool weren't quite the team they are now. It's not often a player like Matip hangs around that long and gets back into being a playing regular, especially under the same manager. And I think he's one of the most underrated defenders in the Premier League. All of this has come uh, while he's had Van Dijk next to him, which would probably make anyone a better defender. He's constantly assumed his spot is up for grabs, but I think it's more nailed down than people think. And if you fancy some Liverpool clean sheet coverage, Matip is a reasonable way in. Just don't expect many goals. At 15 is Aaron and He's been a solid defensive pick for years now and last season was his best to date with 11 assists and 11 clean sheets over the season. He doesn't have any real competition for his spot and he's playing in the best West Ham team that he's ever been in. That raises his floor for FPL points but may also lower his ceiling slightly as the team are playing so well on the counter and are now far less reliant on set-piece goals. So his supply line is probably less needed than it has been but he's still a great asset to own. 16 is Chalabert, very much the fourth man when it comes to Chelsea centre-backs, which is no slight on him as he will no doubt get plenty of opportunities to come in and play when the others need a rest or pick up a knock. We've even seen him deployed in central midfield, which is when he scored one of his two goals, if I recall. Definitely one to have if your other defenders are more assured of minutes, uh, but a luxury if you do own him when he starts. And you never know, could end up uh, creeping into being a... uh, regular starting 11 player. Nicely timed here uh, Region at number 17. I was wondering when I did these lists whether uh, my Spurs bias had put Region slightly higher than it ought to be. And then at the weekend, he gets his first goal for Spurs. It was in slightly fortunate circumstances, tapping in a rebound after a free kick gets deflected off the inside of the post, but we'll take it. Possibly the biggest benefactor to Conte taking over at Spurs. Out of everyone in the team, he feels most suited to his position in this system and has looked pretty decent in the few games we've had already. With Davies in at left centre-back, he knows there's a a backup full-back right behind him if he gambles slightly too high up in a possession. He does get a little overexcited sometimes when he's in the final third and I'd like to see his decision-making improve, especially on the break. But hopefully, that will come a bit more naturally to him as he finds himself in those positions more. The short of it is, he's definitely the player to own in this Spurs defence and could end up becoming one of the star defenders as the rest of the season goes on. At number 18 is uh, Liveramento. Thank God England could finally have a decent right back coming through because we're crying out for one at the moment. Similarly to McCarthy, Liveramento has been the biggest surprise candidate at the top of the defender list. He started every game on the right and has even forced Walker-Peters to move over to left-back. There's been some talk about him potentially being deployed further forwards, but for now, he seems to be staying in defence. Southampton are definitely the surprise defensive package so far, uh, and Tino Livermento is the pick of the bunch. The next three spots are three of the starting Arsenal defenders, Ben White, Gabriel and Tomiyasu. The order isn't too important as none of them have much goal threat. You could argue Gabriel's probably uh, got the most... But they're all pretty nailed on to start. Um, these three have been the constants when it comes to Arsenal's five clean sheets this year, with the less reliable Tierney missing his customary games through injury. Down to 22 is Dunk, and we're definitely overdue some goals from Lewis Dunk as a defender who loves nutting one in from a set piece. Um, number of goals he scored in the Premier League has crept up each year, and last year saw him get five. He's such a consistent pick in the Brighton defence and reliability is so important in draft, especially when you know you can rely on them to play even when the fixtures start to pile up. At 23 is Kurt Zouma, a little bit punty, putting Zouma quite this high up. But now that Ogbonna looks set to be out for a while, we know he's at least going to start every game. And from last season, we know what a threat he is from set pieces. He's got his first goal of the season in that big win against Liverpool last time out. And uh, this will unlikely be his last. He's one you can probably wait on if you do have your eye on him. West Ham play City and Chelsea in the next four. They've also got uh, Brighton. And weirdly, those teams uh, have the best defensive records from set pieces so far. Although he was quite unlucky not to get one that was ruled out against Wolves at the weekend. I would say Kurt Zouma at number 23 uh, kind of marks the end of of what I would say are the pretty safe, decent options. And from here, uh, we've either got players whose stock is uh, on the decline or players who are a little bit more unknown in what they can provide for us. So at 24 and one who's definitely someone on the decline, but we know pretty well what he can do is Luca Dean for Everton, one of the most disappointing performers so far this season. And we're used to Dean getting a decent number of attacking returns And so far, he's yet to record a single one. I'm sure his output has been affected by DCL being out, but he's gone from being an above average defender that many will have thought they could hold down the stretch to a distinctly average defender who you wouldn't look twice at if you hadn't seen him play before. And I've got him here in the list because I'm expecting some movement back towards uh, the mean, but at the moment, it's hard to see when that's going to happen. Now, for 25, 26 and 27, I've got Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Kind of put them in the middle of the pack because it's really hard to value them. Since making this list and I was kind of expecting it to happen, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been sacked, which I think has to be a positive for all of your Man United assets at the moment. I definitely wouldn't be looking to move any of the regular starters on. And uh, even if I had some of those more fringe players like your Greenwoods, your... Lingard's, your Cavani's, etc. I would just have uh, some pause for thought uh, if I was thinking about getting rid of them, just until we know who the new man in charge is. But we know that a well-drilled Man United side has the potential to keep a number of clean sheets. But for now, I've just got them here in the middle of the pack because I think they're difficult to value. I'll start to go through the list uh, a bit quicker now. Uh, I won't. I won't discuss all of them. At Twenty-eight. I've got Michael Keane. At 29 and 30, I've got Salasu and Bednarak. 31 is uh, Lamptey. Could have been higher, but I'm still just waiting to see him get back to that form he had before his injury. At 32 is Duffy. 33, Kieran Tierney, just because he's, he's so uh, unreliable in terms of his injury record. But if it wasn't for that, he'd be up there with the rest of the Arsenal defenders. Uh, 34 is Cash. He's someone I think could thrive under Stephen Gerrard. Uh, and next to him is Target. At 36 is Cucurella, 37 Cuyate, in fact from here I've got a run of all the Crystal Palace defenders, uh, Gaye Ward and Anderson too, I've got Cuyate at the top of the list because he's playing in centre mid but still classed as a defender so his presence means there are usually plenty of uh, Crystal Palace defenders floating around on waiver piles and you can go big on them most weekends if you wanted to. At 41 is Emerson Royal. He's possibly the one I've undervalued the most at the moment, but I've just yet to see a real cutting edge from him uh, down that right. He's just nowhere near what Region's providing on the opposite side, so I'm being really conservative and putting him here. Uh, then got uh, Mings and Concer. 44, I've got Varane. 45 uh, is Simikas, just on the off chance that he does Uh, you know nail down that uh, left back spot at Liverpool longer term that would see his value rise exponentially. Uh, I've then got Janssen, Pinnock, Semedo, Romero and finally in 50th spot is Ricardo Pereira for Leicester. So that's it for part three of my updated FPL player rankings with all of the defenders now, as I said, this is looking at end of season totals, so uh, some of these guys might not be the ones you're looking to pick up on the waivers next week or the week after. And when I'm doing my game week previews, I could be mentioning a whole load of defenders that aren't on this list because they're potentially better options in the short term. And as I said, with the defenders, they are you know by far the most disposable position with a lot more movement in terms of waivers each week. There's not really a week that goes by where I don't move a defender in and out. So I'll say again, just because some of these guys might be on your waiver pile doesn't mean they are the best option for the next two weeks. If you're a fan of the FPL Draft Up podcast, or if this is just the first one you've listened to and you've enjoyed it, make sure that you're subscribed or following on whichever podcast platform you're listening on so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We've still got part four, the final part of our player rankings to come out in the next week, which will go through the midfielders. And we've also got our customary game week preview ahead of the weekend too. And then following that, there's going to be a pretty quick turnaround for the next game week preview because we've got a midweek game week for game week 14 with um, just 48 hours between the end of the match on Sunday and the first kickoff on Tuesday night. So very tight turnaround for waivers. And I might even have to record one before those Sunday games are even over. If you haven't checked out FPLDraftHub.com, please do. It's amazing and it's got so much stuff on there that you can't find anywhere else. It's completely free to sign up and gives you a whole host of personalized stats for your team and league. And it would really help us out if you just go and sign up and have a mooch around. And as I said in the ad in the middle, if you are thinking about uh, making a purchase from Manscape, it would really help us out if you could use our discount code DraftHub. And as I said it gives you twenty percent off and free shipping. Finally, if you want to get a hold of me for a question, advice, or just to tell me how wrong I am on these draft ranks, the uh, the best way is on Twitter. to follow me at FPL Hub Pod and uh, send me a message on there, and I'm usually fairly quick to reply. So that's it for this episode. Uh, stay tuned for the rest of the episodes coming out this week as I said with the way the game weeks are at the moment there's going to be a whole load of pods getting dropped over the next few weeks and through it all as always be sure to stay tuned. Sure.